You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here we go, episode 24 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at B McCarthy95, at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that all podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with a huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all the action. Make a lineup on DraftKings, adding adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no apparent place to get in on the action. What do we want you to do? Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings.com. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. BMAC, what's happening, brother? What's up, Kenny? Happy Sunday, my man. In about 10 episodes, we'll be able to say... It's the Austin Matthews edition, and I can't wait for that to happen. But That's for now, we'll... every episode until then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going to be the Austin Matthews edition. For now, we'll we'll settle with the Wayne train, Wayne Simmons. But the Leafs haven't missed a beat since he's went down with injury. And man, Austin Matthews just continues his rapid scoring pace. You've mentioned it before how he's really become a, a dominant pure goal scorer, and I don't think anyone can match him right now. I mean, 12 points in his last four games, 18 goals in 18 games. It's it's crazy. And and he's two goals away from getting 20, and he could easily do it Monday against the Flames. It's absurd, the pace, the pace that he's on right now. And I, at risk of sounding like a broken record, because I feel like I've just been hammering this guy for the last couple of pods, he is becoming 
automatic from that face-off dot on the right hash mark. Just like the puck finds him there it's and routine, he just one-times it. And the goalies don't stand a chance. Carey Price didn't stand a chance last night on that one-timer on the five-on-three, the feed from Mitch Marner. And it's basically automatic at this point. It's off the pipe and in. And what are you going to do to stop it? Like Price stands no chance. I believe that's now three straight games for Matthews with a pair of goals. So he's heating up. He's now six goals clear of Connor McDavid for the NHL league league lead. And I know that people are going to say, oh, he plays in the North division and there's no real defenses and it's all just like crap opposition, but you can only play the teams that are on your schedule. And obviously this is an extenuating circumstance and Matthews is absolutely lighting them up at an unreal pace. So I don't want to hear, you know, like any of that. like he gets, he plays against Ottawa. He has six goals against Ottawa this season. This is, these are all NHL teams. It's NHL caliber goaltending and Austin Matthews is lighting them up. It doesn't even matter. Well, that's the funny part too. I mean, here's Carey Price, a goalie who's had great success historically against the Maple Leafs. And Matthews is, is lighting the lamp against arguably the best goaltender in the world. So yes, it's maybe a walk for him right now in the Scotia North because the Leafs have quite frankly dummied everybody in, in, in the North division, but the goalies, it's not like he's, he's, you know, lighting the lamp against backups. This is Carey Price we're talking about and he's sticking it to him. So it, it would have been his night, but of course I'm sure McDavid caught wind of, of his night and he's like, hold my beer. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta put up a five point night. If you, if you own Connor McDavid in fantasy, I hope you had a couple bevies last night because he basically won you the week. Yeah, well, the natural hat trick for Connor McDavid. So his second career is, natural hat trick. Yeah, this is something that we've come to expect out of him. And these two players are putting on an absolute show in the North Division, in addition to Mitch Marner and Leon Dreisidel as well, as they are all just racking up the points and taking care of the lesser opposition and the lesser defensemen in the Canadian division. So it's been really impressive to watch. Now the Flames are going to be limping in to the contest or the series with the Maple Leafs that they're going to kick off next week because I believe uh, they're, they've been terrible in their last stretch. I believe that makes them have having lost four of their last five. They've been reeling to the series. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Edmonton has uh, really found their stride. They're eight and two in their last 10 games. So really establishing themselves as probably one of the playoff teams in this division, Tyson Berry also uh, quietly having a good season. We'll get into his numbers a little bit later, but he seems to be uh, enjoying passing the puck up to Connor McDavid and then racking up the secondary assists this year. He is a bit of a slow start, but I mean, Barry had a slow start when he arrived in Toronto and was able to pick things up when Keefe became the coach of the Maple Leafs. And this is kind of a similar story for Barry and he's starting to rack up more points. And of course, when you're playing top PP units with Connor McDavid, you're you're bound to get a couple of points and keep your plus minus uh, above above par, we'll say. They call that easy money. Easy money. Exactly. Easy money playing on the power play with those two guys. Listen, I want to bury the lead here. Toronto is now clear of Montreal by 10 points in the Scotiabank North Division. And this was a team that people were touting as a juggernaut, people touting as like the by far the best team in the Canadian Division earlier on the season, the Montreal Canadiens, that is. Now Toronto has handled them pretty readily in the majority of the contests that they've played against Montreal this season. I know that Montreal has played less games than Toronto. I believe they have at least two, maybe perhaps three games in hand over the Maple Leafs, but we've brought this up before as well. Games in hand are only worthwhile if you win all those games. So it's great to say, oh yeah, well, if Montreal wins the next three games, then they'll only be four points back at the Maple Leafs, but that's no guarantee they're going to go out and rattle off three straight wins with those games. So 
what Toronto has been doing recently is the most impressive hockey that I've ever seen out of this team in my lifetime. And quite possibly Austin Matthews is playing at a level that makes him the best Maple Leaf that I've ever seen play. And I need mean no respects to Matt Sundin or any of the other greats that have come before Austin Matthews in my lifetime, but I've never seen a player be so dominant and show no signs of slowing down. This isn't just a hot streak. This is now turning into what we can come to expect on a night in night out basis from Austin Matthews. Matthews is the equivalent of a Kevin Durant in terms of his, his scoring prowess and his scoring dominance and his ability to score in different ways. And I thought the Habs, you know, this is a team that was effectively coming off a bye week and Claude Julian said in the post game comments, you know, we lack discipline and it's unacceptable to come out like that. I thought they had a good first period. Frederick Anderson was unbelievable in the first period. He yeah, made he about was. four or five saves in, in a short sequence. So it could have easily been three nail Montreal out of the gate. And then there was that back and forth seesaw battle in the second period, which we were texting back and forth. And I think our social media manager was tweeting out as well. That, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, when you do that, you're, you're, I'm just wrapping up and you're, you're tweeting out a Matthews goal or something. And then it's two, two. And then you just like, I don't know if you saw our, our tweet on not at least pod, but it was WTF is this. <laughs> I think I, I think I did see that I may have uh, had a had a hand in the drafting of that one but yeah the beginning of the second period was a little bit of a disaster and Toronto comes in on the five on three they get two quick ones and that seems like as quickly as they scored both those goals they conceded two going the other way so a really weird stretch of hockey where you see four goals two for each team consecutively in about a five minute span so that was a little bit of a disaster in the beginning of the second, I think for both teams, I'm obviously Toronto on the power play. And then you'd like to see them be able to hold the lead. So I believe Montreal's both, both their goals were at even strength. So you never like to see that if you're Sheldon Keefe, but obviously the team was able to reestablish the lead and then ultimately end up getting the win. Now, one topic of conversation that was blowing up on hockey Twitter last night and as always, he does. He's the most polarizing player on the team. William Nylander was the focal point. And the reasoning why was because for a large part of the third period, William Nylander was benched last night by Sheldon Keefe. And when asked about it after the game, Keefe basically like, was just like, no, it wasn't an injury. So don't be speculating about that. It was actually because I didn't like a lot of the things that he was doing in a game where we had the lead late in the third period. So I had to sit him down and he has to play better than that. So an interesting commentary from the coach and kind of give credence to a lot of the narrative that's been swirling around this year that Nylander isn't always, you know, a playing the most defensively responsible game, but B kind of can be uh, coasting around at times. And now it's been noticed by not only the, the fan base, but the head coach as well. I think it's a good wake-up call for Willie. I mean, it's showing Keith can rule with an iron fist, and he's not afraid to pull the trigger and make that decision. William Nylander, just two points in his last eight games, I believe, just a goal and an assist. I mean, he really, really needed that goal against Ottawa, even though it was a garbage goal on the doorstep. But even that even that goal can, can kickstart something. And maybe maybe this means that, that the top two lines need to shuffle a bit. Maybe Matthews and Nylander need to get more minutes together and and put Marner back with Tavares because that could easily kickstart Nylander. And I think this was almost good for his game because he's the type of player that when this happens to him, it's a, it's a big kick in the derriere. And I imagine he'll come out 
hot against the miniseries and against Calgary this week. Well, you mentioned in the Ottawa game, he was able to find the score sheet. And also John Tavares also able to find the score sheet. Right. And there was exactly what you said. Sheldon Keith mixing up the lines late in the game where they have a big lead. And now he could sort of play around with things a little bit. Nobody's going to be jumping down his throat for putting Mitch Marner out there without Austin Matthews. When you have, you know, I don't know what the score was in the game at that point. I think it was like a five to two lead or a six to three lead, something like that. So you end up throwing those guys out there and then you end up getting them a couple goals. So hopefully that gets the confidence going and gets them moving. I would be hesitant right now to break up Matthews and Marner. And I mentioned this on the last pod because of the way that both of them are playing and the chemistry that they've developed this year, both of them are having historic seasons at this point. So I don't know if I want to necessarily break them up as long as the team is winning. And as long as they're producing, I think you probably leave it as is, but if you see the team sort of going a little bit of a skid for some reason where they lose a couple in a row, by the way, they've only lost two games in a row once this season. It was earlier this week when they lost the one in OT to the Ottawa senators and then lost to the Habs the following um, so like that just shows the stretches of dominance that this team's been able to have. They just don't lose consecutive games this year. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, having said that, I do think that Nylander and Tavares and Mikhaev, for that matter, who also got on the score sheet the other night, definitely need to find some rhythm. And I'm not sure what Sheldon Keefe has to do to shake up, shake up the lineup to try to get these guys in form because they haven't really played well. Meanwhile, the top line, it's just an absolute wagon. And that 7-3 win over Ottawa the other night, Thornton, Marner, and Matthews actually combined for 11 points in that win. So, And also, just a big shout-out to Michael Hutchinson, who a lot of Maple Leaf fans were uh, wary about getting the start in that game. And, you know, he gave up three, but they get the win. And sometimes just seeing that one check mark in the W column can do uh, – can do leaps and bounds for a goaltender's confidence between the years. Yeah, Hutch made, made some staple saves, and I thought he was good when he had to be good. And this is what you want from your backup goaltender. It's not their go-to backup. Obviously, Campbell will be making a return soon from injury, but I thought he did considerably well and a good way to kind of get your first win against a uh, a poor team in, in the Ottawa Senators. We didn't mention in the last epi of Alex Galchenyuk and what he could provide for the Leafs. We kind of missed that, but we'll talk about it briefly today. <laughs> yeah, was, we it's... were like, we finished recording and we are like, ah! We, we forgot we about something. Chucky. Yeah. But he is now with a sixth franchise dating back to the 18-19 season, which is crazy. He's being passed around more than a joint at a bonfire, really. Well, it was funny because we were actually just talking right before he got traded to the Maple Leafs about how Galchenyak has just been a suitcase because he was just traded to Carolina <laughs> yeah. the game before we're like, this guy can't find a home. I don't know what the hell is going on. And then all of a sudden he gets traded again and ends up in the blue and white. So I, I, I love the narrative as well. Cause all of a sudden Maple Leaf fans are, this guy's a 30 goal scorer. It's like, yeah, he, th- yeah. he scored 30 goals. Like, one time <laughs> five or six years ago or something like that. Like he hasn't been consistent. It's not he a hasn't... perennial 30 goal score. This is no. a, a one shot. Yeah. It was one shot. Like early it's a on single. in his career. Yeah. One and done. Like everybody <laughs> can have that one, you know, breakout breakout season or whatever, but he hasn't been consistent since. And I wouldn't, re- I'm not really expecting much out of this player on 
Toronto either, to be honest. So like, I, I would be surprised. He's going to come in, probably slot in in the bottom six of the lineup. Maybe he'll get an offer opportunity occasionally to sniff around, depending on injuries and stuff like that, as a winger on one of the top lines. But like, this is just a depth acquisition. It's kind of a roll of the dice. I believe it's also Kyle Dubas clearing a couple of contracts out. So, you know, you can only have 50 contracts at the NHL level. So he sends two going the other way, including former first round pick Igor Korshkov, who some Maple Leaf fans were upset to see go. But this guy was never going to draw into the lineup. Like, is he he's playing in the KHL? Is he better than Nick Patan is right now? I don't think so. And you're basically I think I believe it was now into year four, year five. And this guy hasn't been able to consistently crack the lineup. It's basically just time for to move on from this player. Just chalk it up as uh, one of the last losses for Mark Hunter in his time uh, running the draft development for the Toronto Maple Leafs and move on to a player who maybe can give you a little bit of offense in your bottom six. And perhaps he could maybe take out a, a struggling player in the bottom six. I mean, covering a lot of Leafs practices, I've been seeing a lot of extended conversations between the coaching staff and Jimmy VC. And I'm sure that's because of his play of late. He hasn't been that noticeable. And maybe this is an opportunity to allow Galchenyuk to slot into a few of the Calgary games this week and maybe sub out Jimmy VC because would, he can still be provide. See that. Yeah, he can still provide a pretty big impact in your bottom six. And it just adds more internal competitiveness to your, your, your depth. I think that that's an important aspect of it. And that's part of the reason that, you know, you see these guys coming out and they still have the hunger in the bottom six for Toronto, because there's so much depth there and none of it's really established depth. It's all kind of a roll of the dice. What are you going to get on one night versus the other? So bringing in Galchenyak to add another body to that internal competition, I think is probably a decent move. But again, I'm not expecting anything out of this player. If he comes out and is able to get, you know, 10 goals on the air, I'll celebrate it because I, I just have no reason to believe after watching his performance over the last several seasons and his inability to get comfortable in one spot, that Toronto is all of a sudden going to be a spot where he's going to be more comfortable when ultimately it's going to be the brightest spotlight that he's been under in any of these markets since he left Montreal, you know, whatever it was, you know, three or four years ago when he got traded to Arizona. All right, time for Around the League. This Lake Tahoe game looked beautiful, as advertised, except for that weird, do you see the weird party barge in the, yes. in the, in the lake? That thing was yes. like the crappiest boat I've ever seen. Also, no social distancing on that thing. Everybody's None. just on the top deck, just pound in Budweiser's. But <laughs> so this game, it, it, like it, as advertised, it was aesthetically really nice to look at. Um, but obviously it's a complete disaster because as we've seen at outdoor games in the past, the weather can definitively affect the style of play in the game and the outcome of the game. In this case, the sun actually just ended up screwing up the ice surface because it was too warm during the day and ended up, uh, they ended up having to postpone it until ending up. I think they ended up playing at like 12 o'clock Eastern time. So I wasn't Midnight staying Eastern. up for the end of that one. I had a late shift last night, so I caught a bit of it, but it ended up being a 3-2 final for the Avalanche. McKinnon had a nice end-to-end effort, but again, as you said, aesthetically really nice to look at. I feel like if you're creating that highlight pack, you can just be like, oh yeah, here's the Scenics and uh, this team won because I just was like in awe of of the surroundings, really. I want to see that more. I mean, the fans is just like a secondary thing, but... Man, like that, 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 what a cool, cool experience. It just, if you got to be on the media side for that as a player 
and there'll be another game at Lake Tahoe tonight, Bruins and Flyers. Yep, and they did bump the start for that one to 7.30, uh, albeit when we release this episode, we'll have already happened, so we'll know the result. But I think a smart move by the NHL just to bump the time a little bit later to try to avoid the conflict that they had in the game yesterday. Uh, Not that I'm a devil's insider or anything, but I was pretty underwhelmed by the devil's announcement that they were going to name Nico (laughs) Heischer their next captain. That is a perfect way to sum it up. I was like, what I was like, what the hell am I looking at right now? It's just a video. It's like when you see it, and I was like, why are we doing this right now? It's like a weird game in the middle of the season. Like, certainly, if you were going to make Nico Heischer your captain, you probably had an idea that this was going to be the case before the first game of the season, right? It was ill-timed. Yeah, I just I, I don't get it. It just didn't make it like it's it just it was completely underwhelming for me. So now the youngest captain. Currently, and it was, I believe, Bo Horvat. He's 25, but he's just 22. So, yeah, your boy, Mike Babcock, is out of broadcasting as we uh, assumed that he would be <laughs> sooner rather than later. But it's not because he's going to be behind the bench of an NHL team, he's actually going to be behind the bench of the University of Saskatchewan hockey team. What's your takeaways from Babs heading behind the bench in his home province of Saskatchewan? I love it. I mean, this guy is really familiar with that place. He played as a player for a little bit, and then he coached for 17 seasons. So obviously a lot of familiarity there, and he was clearly just dying to get behind a bench in some capacity. And, you know, he wasn't getting a sniff for an NHL coaching job. So, I mean, it's been, what, two years? October 2019, he was let go by the Maple Leafs. So this is an opportunity for him to – to get back into the coaching game a little bit. And as we said, Kenny, that there was no way he was lasting um, more than a couple months uh, as an analyst for NBC. No. And two I think weeks. It was actually, I, think, I believe it was two weeks. <laughs> I think it was actually like a lesser stretch of time than I thought he was going to last. And I actually think that you're in the minority for liking uh, this signing, not necessarily for Babcock, but for the university of Saskatchewan. I saw a lot of people criti- being critical of the university and like, if you have the opportunity to get a coach of Babcock's ilk, especially, you know, like a kind of home province guy, I think that you might sort of have to do it, but people were being critical based off of, you know, what we've discussed before his treatment of young players and wondering if bringing in a coach to coach university level players is really going to be a good move, but I think it could be a good opportunity for Babcock to reacclimate himself behind the bench, um, work with younger players, work, get more uh, acquainted with that sort of age group where he obviously was having difficult with Toronto and, you know, ultimately an NHL job wasn't coming down the pipe anytime soon. And Babcock pulled the trigger on this. So we'll see what happens, but it'll be interesting to watch from afar how that plays out. Uh, I feel like again, we might have buried the lead here a little bit, but uh, Sidney Crosby played his thousandth game this earlier this week, Uh, just an unbelievable career for Crosby. And they were speaking about this on overdrive earlier this week and Ray Ferraro noted you remember when he went through that whole like concussion where he was just like out for an exponential amount of time and he didn't really know whether or not he was going to be able to come back it seems like eons ago now I had almost forgotten that it happened but this is like this is true like he was able to push through that injury recovery it took almost like it seemed like like over a year for this guy to come back and be behind you know be under center again 
And he's able to come back and return to his dominant form, which was never a guarantee. So for him to make a thousand games, given through, given everything that he's had to pursue, persevere through in his career and to have the success that he's had, I think there's no question that this guy, when it's all said and done, is going to be a bona fide top five player of all time. It was incredible to watch. I had a chance to look at the pregame ceremony briefly and Crosby tearing up at points and in typical Crosby fashion, he's a classy, classy man post game saying, you know, winning championships and having, you know, Latang and Malkin there to, to give me the 1000th game plaque was huge. And what a, a great day, a special day for Penguins fans and Sidney Crosby. When I, when I think back of, of great Crosby memories, golden goal aside, the shootout goal, one of the first shootouts in 05 when he did the leg kick and went shelf backhand on Jose uh, Theodore of the Habs. That is, is one that always will resonate with me and something I watched live and the iconic call from Gordon Miller. Welcome to the Crosby show, Canada. Should we go to tweet of the day? Do it. All right. I'll go first here. I'm going to go for uh, coach Gordon Bombay at coach Bombay for anyone saying it's still early. The Leafs have played one third of the season already and are 14, three and two and have secured 30 of a possible 38 points. I don't think we realize that we're already one third into the season, but it is a shortened year and Toronto has been dominant through that stretch. 30 out of 38 points is absolutely insane. It's a, it's in a blistering pace for this organization. And it's the most impressive hockey, as we know it earlier that I've ever seen the Maple Leafs play. I'm going to go with Steven Wino at S Wino. He tweets Bettman quote, we're going to pick it up at nine o'clock tonight, local time. For those of you on the East coast, please stay up late. So regarding Lake Tahoe. And then Wino goes, damn, now I wish the stars were in this game with their glow-in-the-dark uniforms. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> I like those better than the Vegas uh, buckets. It's too shiny for me. It's too much. Yeah, you're it's not a big Notre Dame on. guy, eh? No, no. But our, yeah. our boy Joe Bowen is. Yeah, true. Big shout-out to Bonesy for the Fighting Irish. They love the gold helmets over there. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the gold helmets are a little bit much. So, But also, I think that the Dallas Stars uniforms are completely disgusting as well, so I don't really want to see those either. (laughs) I'm actually glad Uh, that Toronto isn't going to be playing the Dallas Stars at all this year so that we don't have to see those uniforms at all. Exactly, exactly. Hey, we should mention happy birthday to uh, Jake Muzzin. I don't know how old he turns, but it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Jake. Muzzin, buzzing for Muzzin. All right, should we go to the library bar? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, B-Mac, you're up first. Who you got? I'm going to go with Damian Lillard. I uh, brought him up briefly on the last pod off the top, but man, I don't understand how he's not an all-star starter. He is fourth in league scoring. He's effectively put Portland on his back to get into fourth or fifth in the West in a tough, tough, dominant Western conference. And he's just an unbelievable talent, arguably the best guard in the NBA. And I'm just, I'm perplexed, man, that he's that, that he's not in the all-star starting lineup so he's probably drinking a, a few bevies this week because the, i don't know what else he could do who's in the starting lineup for them is it uh is it steph curry Doncic. oh okay yeah but it's like okay like are you really going to complain about Doncic getting the start over lillard like both of them are like unreal players i i would have lillard in there man 
it's just there's just craze on on Luka Doncic. I know he's a good talent too. He's only 21, but Damian Lillard deserves to be there. Full yeah, stop. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm going to go with a player just south of the border in our uh, southern city of Buffalo, just on the south side of Lake Ontario, Jack Eichel. So Ooh. Jack Eichel is feeling You mean Daniel stressed. Stern? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be at the bar because of all the trade rumors that have been swirling around his name and the reports that he is very unhappy in Buffalo. And he would just be adding to a long list of players who have left the organization previously to him, uh, most notably and most recently, Ryan O'Reilly, who was just miserable and said he didn't even like playing hockey anymore while he was uh, finishing up his career in Buffalo and then ultimately ends up getting dished to the St. Louis Blues and hoisting a cup that season. So uh, Jack Eichel is going to be having a couple drinks uh, based off a, the Sabres just terrible, terrible start to the season and b the fact that everybody's ready to ship this guy out of town based off his poor performance. And it's like, come on, Buffalo. I know he hasn't had a Jack at Eichel caliber season to this point of time. I know he missed a little bit of time at the beginning of February, a little bit of a stretch. There it was about two weeks where he didn't play a game, but certainly you can't be running this guy out of town just because he's having one off year on a year where your team is just like completely trash. Let's call it what it is. Taylor Hall's underperforming like Jeff Skinner. Like don't even get me started on like all these players at Buffalo that can't do anything right now correctly. And also like, let's just not like brush over the fact that this is an extenuating circumstance where everything's been shuffled around. Do you know how these players are handling the COVID sanctions or the fact that their divisions have been moved around. It's really just a year where you're shuffling the deck. So embarrassing for the Sabres fans who are trying to ship this guy out. And Jack Eichel is going to be having a drink based off all the speculation. Buffalo just sewering talent, man. I haven't heard they anything suck, from dude. Eichel this like, year. They're just a cesspool down there. They're garbage. Like Eichel's <laughs> not even in the top. He's not even in the top 50 for points. Like does he even, I haven't heard anything from him. Like does he even have like at least five points? It's it, it's brutal this year. I don't year. even I'll, I'll pull yeah, he has 13 points in 14 games. So that would uh that would seem like it's pretty good production, but he only has two goals so far on the season. So obviously like, of your number one center, you expect more than that. Yeah. But it's just it's just been a train wreck forever in Buffalo. And I don't know when the rebuild is supposed to turn it around here, but I feel like they've been rebuilding for the last except 10 the years. rebuild. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get, you get, uh, you know, Ross Miss Dallin in there. You get, you know, Eichel a couple of years ago, you know, second in the draft, I believe it was. And you just figure that you're going to be able to turn this thing around, but they have not been able to augment the good pieces that they have with pieces who are going to assist them. Like Jeff Skinner, I don't even have his stats in front of me, but he's making 9 million bucks a year. I think he has one goal on the season so far. So what a, what a complete disaster. What I, I don't have anything else to say about it. like those Sabres are a train wreck. Like, then I don't know what they have to do to cl- turn it around. I don't know if they need a different ownership group. I don't know if you need, you know, they seem to go through GMs and coaches just like every two or three years. It's just a complete disaster. Well, speaking of disasters, man, I, I was thinking last <laughs> night, who's out, who's out first, Jeff Ward or Travis Green right now. I think you got to point the finger at Jeff Ward because Jeff nothing, Ward, is going, think. nothing is going right in Calgary right now. I don't think that Travis Green is going to be shipped out of town. I think that likely it would probably be Jim Benning who gets the True. axe if it's uh, if it's in Vancouver, because, you know, you look at the way that Green was able to coach his team through the playoffs a year ago. It certainly seems like the roster construction is the issue in Vancouver. And whereas in Calgary, it seems like only a couple of years ago with in large part the same core, 
that Calgary was able to have like a tremendous success. And albeit like during the regular season, they were steamrolling and then ended up in the playoffs. They ended up having a little bit of uh, a little bit of difficulty. I believe they might've got knocked out in the first round, but they just haven't been able to put it together. Like, and Ward, I think is like, you're going to have to be pointing the finger at that guy because it's much easier to point the finger at the coach than it is to ship out all these players, especially this year where, you know, there's going to be quarantine periods and stuff like that. And if you still believe in the core, that is, you know, Hannafin, Goudreau, Monaghan, if you still believe in these guys, then certainly a change behind the bench is really the easiest change that you can make if you're an organization to try to shake things up and get a response out of your players. I mean, they they come into town to face the Maple Leafs for a two-game set, and then the Leafs will begin March with a three-game set on the road against the Oilers. What do you got on tap later today, Kenny? Actually heading into TSN 1050 in a little bit to grind the, yeah, to do the Raptors game tonight. So a little bit of a, a long stretch for me in the next coming weeks with uh, the Raptors games falling actually on my off days at the brewery. So I'll be running around a little bit, but uh, it's better to be busy at these times rather than just uh, at home because there isn't too much you can do on your off days uh, anyway. So just gonna, I hear that, man. Yeah. just And you got a to... juicy matchup too, Philly and, and Toronto, Joel Embiid. Yeah, I hope that Embiid just doesn't abuse them in the low post because the center depth has been uh, noted to be uh, able to be exposed against uh, other teams. I'm not sure that even the tandem of Siakam and Ananobi playing together in the low post is going to be able to slow Embiid down. He's having just an unreal season this year. Yeah, he just he's coming off a 50-piece. He's just He's been so nice dominant. 50-burger. 50 50-piece 50 chicken McNugget deal give it that's to a, me that's a lot that's a lot of chicken nuggets 50 pieces uh i'm hoping that <laughs> maybe he's a little full after the 50 piece and yeah maybe, maybe now he can only have like a 10 or 15 piece tonight <laughs> against toronto yeah just keep keep the board rocking up but uh hey, but 10 Toronto's, points are under but toronto's been able to do it they gave up i think it was a 30 40 honest the other night and they still came away with the win so really will come down to the supporting cast because uh the raptors defense will certainly be keying on an Embiid. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you next time.